for non-scientific people in uh, about 10 minutes. And that's uh, it. Greetings, I'm Dr. Robert Duncan. I have, uh, I'm supposed to sort of introduce this topic to non-technical people, uh, non-scientific people, in uh, about 10 minutes. And that's, uh, you know, it's a little difficult. I, I love great challenges. Uh, I My education is... Uh, uh, multiple degrees from Harvard and Dartmouth, Ivy League schools, classes at Stanford, MIT. Um, but my real education was in the CIA, the DARPA, uh, and uh, the Army, Navy, and some other institutions like the Department of Justice and the IRS. Um, just being shuffled around as a scientist, I got to see quite a bit of things, and uh, I, you know, thought I was doing good for the world. I really did, and uh, for my country, I was very patriotic. Um, but we are here to discuss something that has been developed um, far long ago. I was only one of the many... Uh, scientists in the area of uh, uh, improving the weapons capabilities of the system. And uh, they're called neuroweapons. Uh, and, you know, the, the good goal was supposed to be we can behaviorally modify any human being on Earth, and that includes soldiers or other humans that oppose the United States without bloodshed. Well, it turns out these weapons are far worse than nuclear weapons. Uh, they destroy the mind. Uh, they can be used for, let's say, changing gun laws in a country and create Manchurian candidates and shooters and stuff. So the CIA has been keeping this uh, research incredibly secret for uh, quite a long time. Um, I got involved, she's a very young age, but um, what I'm here to do is introduce this topic uh, with our host uh, and to give you just a sense of just a few of the technologies that can do this. We're so advanced now, we can make you think, feel, or anything we want. So, uh, I've worked on projects um, such as written the artificial intelligence code, track the Soviet nuclear submarine fleet, voice morphing to trick enemy commanders and, uh, and uh, signal intelligence intercept, uh, 
helped uh, the federal, local, state databases with Justice Department to be integrated. I uh, worked on robotic surgery and medicine, a whole, a whole list of really neat and cool technologies, uh, which also includes um, reading the brain uh, signals and controlling robots. And so that really got me uh, into the research in the last few decades of um, brain to computer to AI to brain networks. So it's not just brain to computer interfacing that we're studying anymore. It's how do you pipe signals in a bio, in a in a, a feedback system to other brains, other AI systems. Uh, we call them hive minds uh, or brain networks. Um, and these have some uh, really fascinating implications for the future of mankind. Uh, the 21st century will be known as the age of spiritual machines and soulless men. Um, and uh, the host of this uh, presentation is uh, Desiree Foley. And uh, I think she's gonna talk uh, about her experiences of being a, a target of some of, uh, I just have to take a deep breath of our research on human beings. And you can imagine that this is a war tool uh, first, before all the beautiful and great things that can be done with it. I disagree with its secrecy, clearly. I've been uh, an advocate for human rights and uh, against uh, secret torture and uh, mind control uh, for quite a long time as well. Um, but um, the public doesn't seem to even understand what the issue is because they don't understand the technology. They don't understand that we can control brains or your very signals. We can nudge in any direction uh, subliminally or overtly in um, many torture cases. Um, and Desiree uh, wanted me to give you a brief introduction to at least some of the uh, basic concepts and technologies used to uh, induce uh, no-touch torture uh, pain in the brain, perceived as pure pain, I mean, uh, for a human, but uh, it does very mild physical damage, but there are secondary and tertiary health effects, obviously, from torture uh, that uh, can lead to death and, and worse. The mental scarring never goes away. Um, so let me get started on that. I think uh, I have about 10 minutes to um, do a very complex presentation, but I'll, I'll try to make it as simple as I can. 
Okay, let's get right into it. Um, I need to talk about directed uh, voice sound weapons, uh, and it goes much deeper than that, but let's do some of the unclassified stuff. Uh, uh, directional sound weapons such as LRAD, which is a, um, a long-range acoustical device, is what that acronym stands for, but it's used in crowd control and can uh, send a, a message uh, at a very long distance to disperse crowds at a very uh, loud volume. The audio spotlight is a phased array, uh, which just means a set of transmitter speakers. And what they do is emit an ultrasonic sound that you can't hear from any individual speaker. And then they use beam forming to focus in, in a very specific direction on an individual or place or bounce it off of uh, some other wall or object. Uh, lots of uh, trickery can be done with it. Um, and uh, it's quite clever, uh, the inventor who created it. Um, and I'm, I'm uh, dividing this up into some different categories and this is by no means a full list um, I just need to go through this to show the development of where we are with our trickery of uh, putting voices into people's heads. Biokeating is uh, one of the uh, very old, but it's not talked about much, technique called the Fry effect or Frey effect. Uh, it's a radio microwave uh, spectrum hearing effect. And, that what it actually does, if you ask Dr. Lin from the University of Chicago, is it heats the brain slightly, which causes it to expand. And then uh, when the, the energy is gone, it contracts back. But this is done very quickly. Um, and it, uh, it vibrates the inner ear uh, to then create the sense of sound. Um, uh, I, there have been no studies on how good that is for the brain. I assume it's a series of small concussions, but um, we'll, we'll remember this. This It's an army tool uh, that they pulled off their website called V2K, and you can't block it by plugging your ears. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but uh, biomechanical methods such as bone conductance, there are headphones which will um, transmit uh, sound through your bones. You know, as a child, you probably put a spoon or fork in your mouth and then flicked it, and it sounds very loud, like it's coming right out of your ears. Uh, we can do this for... Uh, uh, with skin tissue that's close to the bone. All the bones are connected. There are ways to even heat the bone to make them vibrate, uh, which then goes in the air. And that, that's a biomechanical process for uh, creating the perception of sound in your head. There's the uh, electromagnetic biomechanical and this was recently introduced by MIT but it's been known far before that in other laboratories and it's a late laser light modulation uh, with the atmospheric water vapor so they modulate the laser the laser 
to heat the water vapors at that specific point, which comes across as sound vibrations uh, to the human. Um, now we're going to get into some more uh, things that involve ethics, uh, gene manipulation and insertion. And so in the public sector, uh, we talk about blue light mice, where they've inserted a gene into the development of mice that is responsive uh, to stimulation of the ionic channels of the neurons, uh, and hence pulsing blue light, and that's the frequency that it's uh, responsive to, uh, alters the patterns of the mice's, of the mice brains. Um, and, you know, we can do this in other ways. We've studied this for at least 60 years. Um, these ionic gradient protein genes, um, we can do in other frequencies, or we can add magnetosensitizers. Uh, I don't know, let's use some examples, spliced into airborne viruses or vaccines. And, you know, I know there'll be a lot of conspiracy about that, but this is the way we think in the sacred government. Next slide. Now, I have to cover something called hypnosis um, because it's very related to how we do some more sophisticated methods of uh, encrypted neural speech. And so um, it, it, the CIA had an, uh, an old uh, tool called uh, REHIC, uh, and it stood for Radio Frequency uh, Hypnotic Intercerebral Control. Um, and really, let, let's bring it down to what maybe the audience's uh, experience of uh, if you've ever been to a nightclub or seen a strobe light or heard what's called binaural beatings, um, if you look at your electroencephalograph over, uh, over time, depending on the human, um, uh, you will see the brain frequency match uh, those stimuli. Um, and I call it the firefly effect, and that, that's how we manipulate cultures. Everyone wants to belong, uh, what is cool, fashionable, um, uh, et cetera, accepted by society. It's a, a firefly effect, but we do it directly through neural entrainments to make people conform. I'll get into that more. Um, another effect you could experiment with, you close your eyes, you're in the dark, uh, strong magnetic pulses stimulate a uh, retinal response called the magnetic phosphines effect, and you can see the flashing, uh, you perceive it as a flashing light, even though there is no light, um, and that's just stimulating uh, the retinal cells to emit a nerve uh, response. Um, the overall technique is often called frequency follows response, FFR. Uh, and it's important for a lot of, uh, for example, in the U.S. Air Force in the 1970s and the Navy, uh, they used it to align uh, brain pathways 
uh, Verado Association of Macro Microcircuits, um, but they were doing brain to brain and trying and then trying some brain to computer interfacing uh, to control machines to read each other's minds. Uh, it, it was very basic research at that time. Um, but uh, alignment of the pathways of the major circuitry is important. Uh, and there are many more sophisticated techniques we use today. Um, now, we're past the boring stuff. We get into the really interesting research that we're doing. And there is no way to separate this next method from uh, uh, a great area of secrecy. I don't know who's allowed to know about this. Uh, from the whole, from cognitive modeling, the whole model of the mind. Um, and uh, yes, all the senses can be bypassed uh, from the peripheral nerves. Um, so let me go and. Uh, to the next slide. So, in order to hack uh, the mind or enslave it, the hack needs a known stimulus like Echelon, and you'll have to look that up, you don't know. Uh, knowing what you're listening to on radio or TV, or perhaps back to what I referred to with the Army, the microwave hearing effect called V2K to pipe specific speech into the inner ear's perception, which is turned into nerve impulses, grossly termed EEG, electroencephalograph, and MEG, magnetoencephalograph patterns, would also work as a starter. Uh, there are numerous ways this can be done. These are just a couple examples. Those impulses or neural responses are auto-correlated into a cognitive probability model specific to that person and influence pathways. The same effect can be achieved with direct human-to-human -human brain plasticity, but the technology is far beyond that now. Eventually, meanings of words are captured and so on until a nearly entire cognitive model is produced to some fidelity. These mind slaves are utilized for many intel operations unbeknownst to them. Uh, such uses can include mass shooters who heard voices with a, the greater agenda unbeknownst to them to take away guns and gun rights. The entire process takes from months to years, and not just all projects are successful, depending on the complexity of their minds and external stimulus and influences. A similar technique is used in hacking, copying artificial intelligence systems, except the stimulus inputs are different in output responses, obviously. Uh, this process of discovery of biological um, mind requires a bidirectional stimulus recorded uh, response for analysis, if not done directly to another human. Every small circuit correlated to the target's biospectrum is amplified by the energy of the synaptic neural mapped out pathways for the desired effect. So not much energy is required to amplify the biosignal as it uses the body's own natural ion regenerative uh, mechanisms uh, to recharge them. At this point, it is basically synthetic telepathy and with 
military calls low probability of detection. Just verbal commands can be issued or the inner voice of the target deciphered while they read their type their passwords or talk to other people. These methods are often redacted to Congress and the public for intel gathering. Um, for a simple example, it's easy to pick out a heartbeat from the other summation of the autocorrelated biosignals, i.e. all the body, brain, electrical, magnetic activity. Induction, induction of higher level functions of the brain, such as hearing and other senses, are thereby achieved, bypassing the peripheral nerves, but not but inducing the same perceived experience, useful for no-touch torture as an example, uh, and that is useful for depatterning the brain and reprogramming. Uh, I don't nearly have enough time to get into details of the signal intelligence and psychological operations involved. Uh, but I assure you, that is an incredibly brilliant the most likely source of the DLF signals from ionospheric heaters, which cause extremely low frequency waves in the magnetosphere and are useful as part of the full spectrum electronic fence around the Earth, I can't talk about. It is unfortunate in order to scale this worldwide weapon system, artificial intelligent personality chatterbots, scripts are used with a twist of emotional neural uh, pattern overlays to make them more engaging and realistic as a spiritual god, guide or a god, a de devil, demon, alien presence or blame other countries. But that, that's the psychological warfare operations divisions. Those are uh, those identities are just false flag techniques, which again, I don't have time to get into. But uh, the interesting research is in the interconnectivity of multiple minds together and those hive mind groups connected to others in a much larger network and how to influence them without their knowledge. They experience it as intuition or extra senses, which we used to call ESP, in uh, the more subtle modes uh, as this following video will describe. Diversity. They had three monkeys with chips in their brain. Each of these monkeys can only see in two dimensions, 2D. So they, but the monkeys together are rewarded with a treat, with some good food, if they can move a dot on the computer screen in 3D space to the right location. Well, each of these monkeys can't do it alone because they can only see 2D. They can't even move in 3D. But together, all three of those brains learn how to work together to consistently move the dot to the right 3D location. That, tech, that, act, that finding is actually amazing. What it is telling us is that when multiple brains are wired together, they can perceive the world in a way that a single brain might not be able to do. They are collectively working as a single intelligence. Now, the monkeys aren't consciously aware that they are wired to other monkeys' brains. They don't have to know that. 
They are actually just getting the information and perceiving it intuitively. So this is what they'll allow you to know in the civilian sector and Duke University does a lot of these experiments on our nearest cousins. Uh, but when it's done to humans, and uh, unfortunately we've done a lot of uh, experiments on humans non-consensually uh, since World War II, um, and they can act, I call it the empathy machine. They can feel each other's pains and uh, hear each other's inner voice, and we rewire them a lot of different ways that bypasses the normal peripheral senses, but the experiences are exactly the same uh, for the uh, computing unit called the brain. Um, and this is how, you know, uh, we've overthrown uh, the uh, legal system, Congress, everything, and we can't talk about it. But I, I hope you think about the dangers for a true democracy this presents on a mass scale of social engineering. Just imagine sublimely controlling Congress or judges, etc. I, you know, again, I'm limited by time. Uh, this power cannot be entrusted in the hands of a secret government. We must work together to find solutions and treaties. Uh, but the first step is awareness and huge apologies to the non-consensual, barbaric, and often deadly experiments performed on many uh, around the world. Uh, thank you for allowing me to speak. video. Today is going to be an interesting video. Every so often,
to herself, I think, is the stealth system revisited. Ambient abuse in Sendaku. I'm the author of Malignant Self-Love, Narcissism Revisited. Ambient abuse, also known as gaslighting, is the stealth, subtle, underground current of maltreatment that sometimes goes unnoticed even by the victim herself until it is too late. Ambient abuse penetrates and permeates everything, but it is difficult to pinpoint and identify. Gaslighting is ambiguous, equivocal, atmospheric, diffuse, hence its insidious and pernicious effects. It is by far the most dangerous kind of abuse there is. Ambient abuse or gaslighting, they are the outcomes of fear. Fear of violence, fear of the unknown, fear of the unpredictable, the capricious, the arbitrary, the pending. Ambient abuse is perpetrated by dropping subtle hints, by disorienting, by constant and unnecessary lying, by persistent doubting and demeaning, and by inspiring um, an air of unmitigated gloom and doom. Ambient abuse, therefore, is the fostering, the propagation and the enhancement of an atmosphere of fear, of intimidation, of instability, unpredictability, and irritation. There are no acts of traceable, explicit abuse. There are no visible manipulative settings of control. Yet, ambient abuse yields an irksome feeling, a kind of disagreeable foreboding, a premonition, a bad omen. It's in the air. In the long term, such an environment erodes the victim's sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Self-confidence is shaken badly. Often the victim adopts a paranoid or a schizoid stance, keeps away from society, and thus render, renders herself exposed even more to criticism and judgment. In ambient abuse, the roles are reversed. The victim is considered by everyone to be mentally deranged and unstable, and the abuser is universally acclaimed as the suffering soul and victim. There are five categories of ambient abuse, and they are often combined in the conduct of the same abuser. First of all, there is inducing disorientation. The abuser causes the victim to lose faith in her ability to manage and to cope with the world and with its demands. She no longer trusts her own senses. Her skills, she doubts her skills, she doubts her strengths, she doubts her family, doubts her friends. Um, she doubts fundamentally the predictability and benevolence of her environment. The abuser subverts the target's focus by disagreeing with her way of perceiving the world, by arguing with her judgment, by disputing the facts of her existence, by criticizing her incessantly and by offering plausible, but specious, wrong, fallacious alternatives. The abuser constantly lies, and by constantly lying, he blurs the line between reality and nightmare. By recurrently disapproving of her choices and actions, the abuser shreds the victim's self-confidence and shatters her self-esteem. By reacting disproportionately to the slightest mistake she makes, he intimidates her to the point of paralysis. Second type of gaslighting is incapacitating. The abuser gradually and surreptitiously takes over functions and chores previously adequately and skillfully performed by the victim. 
The victim finds herself isolated from the outer world, a hostage to the goodwill, or more often the ill will, of the abuser, of her captor. She is crippled by his encroachment and by the inexorable dissolution of her boundaries, and she ends up totally dependent on her tormentor's whims and desires, plans and strategies. She needs his permission to go out to the world and to interact with anyone. Moreover, the abuser engineers impossible, dangerous, and unpredictable situations that are unprecedented or highly specific. And in these situations, he makes sure that he is sorely needed. The abusers leverages his knowledge, his skill, his connections, or his traits as the only applicable and the most useful ones in the situations that he himself has engineered. The abuser generates thus his own indispensability and fosters in the victim growing dependence. The third type of ambient abuse is what is known as shared psychosis, or previously it was called folie à deux in French. The abuser creates a fantasy world, and in this fantasy, uh, this fantasy world is inhabited by himself and by his victim, and it is besieged by imaginary enemies invented by the abuser. He allocates to the abused, to the victim, the role of defending this invented and surreal universe. She must swear to secrecy, she must stand by her abuser no matter what, she must lie, fight, pretend, obfuscate, and do whatever it takes to preserve this oasis of inanity and insanity. Her membership in the abuser's kingdom is cast as a privilege and a prize, but it is not to be taken for granted. She has to work hard to earn her continued affiliation in his world. She is constantly being tested and evaluated by the abuser. Inevitably, this interminable stress reduces the victim's resistance and her ability to see straight. The fourth type of ambient abuse involves the abuse or misuse of information. From the first moment of an encounter with another person, the abuser is on the prowl. He collects information. The more he knows about his potential victim, the better he able he is to coerce, to manipulate, to charm, to extort, to convert the victim. The abuser does not hesitate to misuse the information he had gleaned, regardless of its intimate na nature or the circumstances in which he, has, he had obtained the information. This is a powerful tool. Finally, there is control by proxy. If all the previous tactics fail, the abuser recruits friends, colleagues, mates, family members, the authorities, institutions, neighbors, the media, teachers, anyone, any third party, to do his bidding. He uses these people and institutions to cajole, to coerce, to threaten, to stalk, to, to offer, to retreat, to tempt, to convince, to harass, to communicate, and otherwise, in other words, to manipulate his target. He controls his unaware people and instruments exactly as he plans to control his ultimate prey. He employs the same mechanisms and devices to move his third parties and proxies around as he does later to uh, order the victim around. And he dumps his props unceremoniously when the job is done. Another form of control by proxy is to engineer situations in which the victim is forced to abuse a third party. Such carefully crafted scenarios of embarrassment and humiliation provoke inevitably social sanctions, 
So the victim is condemned uh, or even physically punished. Society or a social group thus become the instrument of, instruments of the abuser. He first provokes the victim into socially unacceptable behavior, and then he uses society to punish the victim. If you're questioning your sanity, if you feel anxious, depressed, confused, and you don't trust your own judgment, chances are it's not you. It's someone in your environment that could be intentionally and subtly propagating all of this. In other words, setting the stage for you to feel this way. A really important point to remember is that Gaslighting shares characteristics of the cluster B personality disorders. In a lot of my videos, I focus on narcissistic personality disorder, but it's a difficult definition to agree on because it can blur with other personality disorders and other issues. I actually prefer this more neutral term, gaslighter, because there are just too many possible reasons for us to disagree when we use the word narcissist. We can waste a lot of time arguing over whether the person in your specific situation is a narcissist or how much of a narcissist he or she is. So when we get embroiled in trying to define and agree on the term narcissist, it can really deflect from the issue at hand. So gaslighting shares the characteristics also of histrionic personality disorder, antisocial, borderline and narcissistic. Gaslighting is defined as a form of psychological manipulation where the perpetrator seeks out to sow seeds of doubt in an individual that they've targeted. Their aim is to make their target question their memory, their perception and sanity. They attempt to psychologically destabilize the victim and seek to invalidate the legitimacy of the victim's experience of their own reality. It's a form of psychological bullying. The other two words that are associated with gaslighting are brainwashing and crazy making. Gaslighting occurs not just in personal relationships, but also within the workplace. It's prevalent in politics, on social media, within spiritual and religious organisations, and of course, often in families. In fact, if we've come from a family where gaslighting was used, we may unknowingly continue using these methods in our own adult relationships, thus guaranteeing that the pain and suffering continues. So again, knowledge can set us free from these toxic, transgenerational binds. And the one point that I want you to remember is not to take these behaviours out of context, but to recognise these behaviours as a pattern
Gaslighting typically occurs very gradually and subtly, and you may dismiss it at first as harmless as a personality quirk. But gaslighters have mastered the art of sabotage. For example, at work, they will take credit for your achievements. They'll spread rumors to discredit you. They'll get others to gang up on you. In families, they'll undermine all relationships by gossiping, denying their deceitfulness. They'll intentionally cause rifts between children within their own family. Their goal is to conquer and divide and psychologically dismantle their target. In personal relationships, they'll have no problem flirting with your spouse, pretending they don't know they're crossing moral boundaries, sharing intimate details of your relationship with inappropriate others, all the while doing it in such a subtle, usually indirect manner. It's no wonder we can't make sense of this behavior and feel utterly crazy and exasperated dealing with them. So if you feel like your sanity has been undermined, I know the specific details and examples in this video will help set you free. Gaslighters are very clever at convincing their victims that they are crazy and at fault and will use numerous methods of psychological manipulation to maintain their control. It's entertaining for gaslighters to provoke discord and agitate others. They enjoy getting people emotionally flared up and fighting with each other. They like to ruffle people's feathers. That could be, for example, by provoking tension within the family, by the use of inflammatory comments, inappropriately timed revelations, or personal and sensitive information that you previously shared with them. So they instigate conflict and then they watch innocently by the sidelines, feeling smug, knowing they had the power and the cunningness to instigate this fight they like to pit people against each other, so they're busy arguing and don't notice what the gaslighter is doing in the meantime. So it's a form of distraction. And I didn't know when I was referring to gaslighting, when I kept saying things like, that person always likes to stir the pot, press my buttons. So a gaslighter will generate this atmosphere of anxiety, hostility. We often can't put our finger on it, but it's a palpable sensation being in the presence of a gaslighter. It's unnerving and we often feel it in our gut. Our solar plexus is instantly affected and it communicates we are in harm's way. And another form of distraction is when they accuse you of issues they themselves have, and that's projection. They often spread misinformation about you when they themselves started this smear campaign against you. And another form of distraction is when they accuse you of issues they themselves have, and that's projection. They often spread misinformation about you when they themselves started this smear campaign against you. And if you don't have a firm grasp on reality, on facts, and a healthy self-esteem, these sort of methods will eventually destabilize your sanity. They enjoy propagating fear and they feed off other people's fear. So they'll fill your mind with all sorts of scary stories. And I'll give you a couple of examples that I received. I know someone who had the identical symptoms that you do and they were diagnosed with a tumour and then they died. 
Another one was, oh yeah, I know a guy who had the same qualifications as you and another two degrees on top of that and he still couldn't get a job in the field that you're wanting to get into. You might as well stop now and just do something worthwhile with your life. So you can see how these comments undermining your self-confidence. And the reason why they do this is so you can align with them. So first they will plant a seed of doubt in your mind either directly telling you that you should be afraid or innocently and indirectly. They'll feed you some statistic that they made up, supposedly for your own good, to lead you away from a decision that you want to make for yourself. And if they can appeal to your basic survival emotion, which is fear, you become easier to manipulate. And this is a really common gaslighting strategy utilized by the media. Gaslighters love to use propaganda. Of course, they don't call it propaganda. They're going to tell you that they're telling you the truth. See, the tricky part with gaslighters is that they are very good at acting like normal, regular people. But normal, regular people are open to discussions about their versions of truth. I think most people can appreciate that we all have different perspectives. Most people have a certain level of self-awareness and are open to considering other people's versions of truth. But gaslighters are absolutely hell-bent on insisting that there's only one way of looking at things and it's their way. You might be able to recognize propaganda commonly utilized by cults within closed communities and certain religious organizations. And this particular form of gaslighting is how unsuspecting, vulnerable people who don't know there are specific techniques to psychologically coerce a group of people into submission and brainwash them to believe a certain reality for the purpose of controlling them. Spiritual gaslighting is when someone uses spiritual concepts or their idea of God to manipulate you to think or do something to justify being abusive and controlling towards you or a group of people, telling you that they've channeled this special information or they have some sort of direct link to God. And this relates to spiritual abuse, when they use threats and intimidation of the end of the world or you going to hell to get you back into the herd. And you can see how this is intentional use via propagation of fear. And this is a particular area of interest for me because I was born into a cult. And it literally took me decades to psychologically decipher how my mind, my beliefs and my perception had been tampered with. Propaganda can be defined as misleading and biased information used to promote a point of view. If you look closely, propaganda can consist of half-baked facts, exaggerated ideas, rumours, unverified allegations, opinions. The agenda is to program and indoctrinate and coerce a person to mistrust their own inner authority and surrender their free will. It truly is a method of mind control.
that creates a dependency on someone or something as an authority. It's basically a strategized effort to manipulate another person's beliefs, attitudes, or actions. So in personal relationships with a gaslighter, propaganda can include not telling the whole truth, rewriting history, making generalizations, insisting only on their version of events, conveniently taking things out of context or changing the facts about conversations you've had or events that occurred. They also tend to omit certain important things. So all of this is to discredit the victim and make sure that the victim feels crazy and looks crazy to others. And relationships with these people will always make you question your sanity and you'll just feel off kilter around these people simply because manipulation is a way of life for them. And there's a fine line between manipulation and persuasion and influence. We all manipulate or want to influence in certain areas at certain times, but generally for a normal, healthy person, this is not a way of life and we can own our behaviours. What I'm talking about here is extremely toxic relationships simply because they intentionally fill your head with all sorts of distortions. And the longer you stay in a relationship with a gaslighter, the greater the danger you expose yourself to. They generally don't get better. This behavior escalates and gets worse over time. These people will deny their own manipulative behaviours and ignore evidence when they're confronted with it. And worse still, they become critical and attack you if you try to disprove their lies with facts. So eventually, we stop trusting our own judgment, we second-guess ourselves, and we feel the need to constantly apologise. Victims of gaslighting will feel anxious and disoriented and extremely confused. And gaslighters will condition you to eventually believe that their behavior is normal. It certainly isn't abusive. And you're just being too sensitive or crazy or hysterical. And apparently your reaction to their behavior is the problem. They'll go to the length to tell you that everyone else is a liar. And that's in an attempt to isolate you from any possible credible source. If you've mustered the courage and had the wisdom to try and ask for external help and they find out about this, they will discredit this reasonable person they'll feel threatened by because they could be your ally. For example, if they find out you're seeking help from a therapist, they will declare that the therapist is unqualified or they'll use this as an opportunity to validate that you must be crazy. See, that's why you're seeing a shrink. You do have problems. You can't think for yourself. And this is another method of gaslighting known as the double bind, where you're damned if you do, but you're damned if you don't. You feel emotionally torn, distressed by this dilemma because of the conflicting messages you keep receiving. And when you're caught in a double bind, they actually thrive to see you in this type of distress where you're faced with two choices that you are equally not comfortable with, where you find yourself between a rock and a hard place. 
if you're married to someone who uses gaslighting, they'll often use double binds to create marital schism. And the definition of a marital schism is when one parent tries to undermine the worth of the other parent by competing for the sympathy or support from their children. So they're basically causing their children emotional distress by intentionally placing them in an impossible situation. Gaslighters rarely get the professional help that they so desperately need. And instead, it's the people around them that end up in therapy, often misdiagnosed with numerous mental health issues and a string of mysterious physical ailments. All the while, the real cause remains hidden, like a malignancy who is fueled by knowing that their victim is suffering. And obviously, this defines a person that is extremely sadistic. They're extremely patronising, unapologetic, but behind all of that, they're just cowards and bullies. And that's why it's recommended that the most empowering thing you can do is to have no contact with this person. And if you can't do that, then limit your exposure to a bare minimum. If this is occurring in your workplace, ask to be relocated. If this is happening within your family, reduce the amount of times you visit and reduce the amount of time you spend there. And doing a disappearing act on someone is generally not recommended in a healthy relationship. But just remember, you're not dealing with a healthy or sane person. This is an emotional predator. It is a dangerous situation. And the longer you expose yourself to these tactics, the more likely your self-concept will be eroded. It's about power and control. You're not obligated to give them a reason or to explain why you don't want to have any contact with them. So in dysfunctional relationships, the same rules don't apply because your sanity, well-being or life may be on the line. So for your own sake, protect yourself. You need to understand as soon as possible that these people are not concerned with you, your feelings, your preferences, or your personal safety. If they haven't used you, abused you, discarded you, and spat you out, you will have to willingly remove yourself from their life. And these situations can become extremely challenging and you will need to develop a lot of courage and a knowingness in what is right and what is wrong. And this is why educating yourself is so important. The more you know, the more you understand, the clearer you'll become and the faster you'll make decisions that preserve your life and sanity. Please understand that you cannot have a healthy long-term relationship with someone who displays these behavioural patterns. And trying to reason with a gaslighter is often a complete waste of time and energy. You fuel them by letting them know you're conflicted or that you need clarification from them. They will intentionally drag out this drama, prolong and intensify the chaos. Scenarios with gaslighters can end up costing you thousands of dollars. They will drag you through the legal system, manipulate childcare services. They have the capacity to take your career or your business down. Basically, wreck maximum havoc. Recognize the red flags because unfortunately too often these utterly draining situations only ever end up as he said this, she said that. 
your word versus their word and you'll just look back on your life and how much time you've wasted. So learn from those who have had these experiences. Save yourself any further heartache, disengage, walk away sooner. It's not easy, but sometimes you need to count your losses and move on for the sake of your sanity. Just one relationship with a gaslighter can have incomprehensible and often irreparable effects on the victim's self-esteem. So recognize these behaviors, see them for what they are. Don't be naive. Don't project your own goodness onto them. Gaslighting is one of the most insidious patterns of behavior utilized by people with malevolent intentions. And I'll just leave you with this quote that I think summarizes gaslighting to a T. Divide and conquer is a war tactic that you need to become aware of. It's a methodology which lures you, your energy, your focus, your attention, so you don't realise that you're being coerced to participate in the energy of hate, anger, fear and rage. And when we are in those emotional states, we are disempowered. So I'm going to bring to light all the different ways that this tactic is utilized, both in personal relationships and now what is happening globally. Just before I get on to explaining this, I just wanted to let everybody know that I have officially launched my membership community on an uncensored platform called MeWe. And I'm so grateful that so many like-minded people who watch my videos, who understand the significance and the importance of all the topics that revolve around narcissistic abuse, I'm so glad that we can join in this safe space where we can freely share and express ourselves. I'll share a link below and it's by donation. So if you'd like to support me and my work, I'd really appreciate that. Thank you. I'm also doing personal one-on-one -on -one mentoring for those of you who feel you'd benefit with more personal attention. And I'm also in the process of constructing a Patreon account because I envisage that my channel, my work, my videos, everything will be restricted even more as I step up to this next level of disclosure. Divide and Conquer is
Hey guys, it's Tamara. I'm back with another video. Sorry for the late video this Friday, guys. I've been really busy with conferences and clients and lots of stuff, but I'm here and I wanted to post this video uh, because someone had suggested this topic on the channel and I thought it was a very good topic. I was looking for something like this to add to our roster this month. We're almost at the end and we'll be starting a brand new topic next month. Um, so I figured that this would be uh, appropriate to kind of get us closer to the end of the month. So today's topic is about something that is informally called flying monkeys. Okay, I'm going to put that over here uh, because I'm sure that confuses you a little bit. You're like, what? You're probably like, what is flying monkeys if you haven't heard about it? It, it really is just a term uh, used by laymen and uh, it refers to abuse by proxy. It's a very serious kind of in a, a situation and uh, it's typically uh, something that is instrumental um, or used in the life of those who have had intergenerational trauma um, also in very abusive and domestic violent uh, based uh, families and relationships as well. So I want to talk about this term known as flying monkeys. So thank you so much for coming back to my channel for those who are subscribed and for those who are not, I encourage you to hit the subscribe button so that that way you can stick around with us and continue to learn about relationships and trauma. Uh, this whole channel is based on trauma. So anything I talk about, it always comes from a foundation of trauma. So the benefits for you in today's video is I'm going to outline at least four to five things that someone does um, as an abuser. And, and we're going to talk about this concept of flying monkeys just a little bit closer, right? So you're probably wondering uh, what the term is. You may have even heard it in passing. Um, really, the term is is um, um, it's it's attractive. It's um, appealing to those of us who have never heard of it before. But but for those who have experienced it, it's terrible. Uh, the whole idea behind abuse by proxy is that an individual who is abusive will utilize two important components. Okay, the first component is the system. The system. The system would be the legal system the child protective services system, the foster care or adoptive system, any system, any wide or broad system that can be used against someone else um, um, in an abusive manner is considered abuse by proxy. So let me give you an example of this. So for example, let's say you're in a relationship with your husband and um, he has money, he's popular, he's prestigious, he has social um, power, he has um, power in terms of revenue, he has power in terms of prestige. Everybody in the neighborhood knows him, he has a great job, you know, he's kind of famous. You happen to be homeless and you ran into him and he ran into you one day. You guys get married, you have children, it's a fairy tale story, you love each other, right? Well, because of that power differential that you were homeless and he was not, um, there's already an inherent power play. There's already a built-in power differential. And that creates a little bit of an imbalance in the relationship. This individual knows that you don't have the things that he has in terms of prestige and um, capital and social capital. And so he begins to threaten you 
um, because you're, you're, you're going to therapy, you know, you feel the marriage is, is crumbling. You want out now you want a divorce. He decides to threaten you any chance he can with taking the children away and telling you things such as you don't have the power to get the kids off of me. Um, the other individual is very arrogant, by the way. Um, you don't have the power to do what you want to do because, uh, Remember, you were homeless, right? That's abuse by proxy uh, using the system. Now, this individual is threatening you. And so let's say they know somebody that works in the court system. They might get them to get on their side. Or let's say they don't know anybody in the court system, but they go there dressed nice. They sound good. They look good. They have a great resume. They have money, right? How are you going to win over that? It's going to be very hard. That is abuse by proxy, okay? So to clarify, abuse by proxy is a power differential in which the individual, um, I like to explain it to my clients this way. It's a power differential in which the, the abuser goes to the system or other people to control you. Uh, the, the next component, because the first component was the system, the next component that's significant in understanding this is people. They grab a hold of people to ensure, you know, whether that person is, you know, aware of it or not aware of it, they grab onto these other people to ensure that you don't gain the support that is going to make them look bad, that's going to make them, um, uh, you know, look bad in front of other people, that's going to show up, um, that's going to get them in trouble, that's going to backfire. So they get to, they get to people before you do. Um, and they talk about you and they try to like, you know, bring them in on their perspective and their side and they play on emotions. They're very manipulative. So there's a couple ways that uh, an abuser by proxy does things. Okay. And the first thing is engineering situations. What I mean by that is they engineer situations to their benefit, to your downfall. They make sure that they go to the right people, the right system. You know, they utilize their power and prestige, their money, their attractiveness to win over on you. And you're sitting there like, oh my God, I don't know how I got into this. I can't get out. And so they engineer situations. The next thing they do is they provoke and they instigate. They provoke and they instigate. They provoke you to anger. They instigate. They go to other people. They talk about you. They go to the system and they utilize their prestige and their power to get back at you, to harm you, to hurt you, to reduce you, to condescend. Whatever they need to do, they're going to do it. So they provoke and they they instigate. The next one is uh, triangulation. And I talk a lot about that on this channel. I'll try to post some videos in the description box below about triangulation and uh, an article that I did years ago on it. But they triangulate, you know, they're the victim, you're the persecutor, and they go and find somebody who can fit the role of the rescuer. And because of that, you lose. Again, abuse by proxy. They're using the helper in the triangle to go against you. Okay. And I'm going to, in the next video, I'm going to talk about triangulation a little bit more. So you'll get a better understanding of what I mean by this. Uh, and we'll do that on Monday, by the way. The next thing that they do is they recruit. They go to other people and they recruit. If they can't get over on you, if they can't manipulate you, if they can't hurt you like they want, they're going to recruit other people. They'll just go become friends with Susie over there. And
and Susie will really kind of fall in love with this person and want to lavish things upon them and give them things. And so therefore you automatically lose because they don't know you, they know your husband. Um, so recruitment is one. And sometimes they do it without the other person knowing that they're being recruited. That is wicked. Uh, the next is cyber harassment or cyber bullying. They may get other people to bully and harass you online under miscellaneous names, uh, categories or names or forums or under um, names that are not true, right? Under false usernames and passcodes, they may get other people to harass you that way online. They may also um, intentionally, I was going to say unintentionally, but they may intentionally become friends with somebody that's your enemy so that they can get back at you. All right. So uh, they definitely harass using the Internet. It's so easy to hide. Why not use that as a tool? You know, it's sick. Uh, the next is something that I call instrumental abuse. And what I mean by that is uh, the the abuser um, goes and he finds an instrument to abuse you with. So if they can't directly abuse you because they're afraid of imprisonment or they don't want to look bad or they don't want you pressing charges or they don't want to have any handprints of themselves on the situation, they will use something as an instrument. And an example of this would be the legal system, the CPS system. They may call CYF on you a thousand and fifteen million times because they want to use CYF as an instrument against you. They may call the police on you for various things and accuse you of things behind your back to the police. So they use different systems and different people and different relationships and um, sometimes they'll, they'll use neighbors, sometimes they'll use other things, their social capital, just to get to you. And this can become extraordinarily abusive. So it's important to understand, and on Monday we're going to talk about triangulation. Um, and then I want to talk about the four signs of severe abuse. We're going to talk about that as well. And then we're going to get close to wrapping up some of these topics. All right, guys, so have a wonderful Friday and happy soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.